Hi there. Welcome to another edition of Making Money with the Financial Coach, Ron Hebert, Retired Portfolio Manager. I'm Gord Whitehead, Retired Broadcaster. Ron, we want to talk about investment styles this time around on Making Money. So if you're shopping around, what are some of the things we should be considering? Well, if you're shopping around for different types of investments or different advisors that have specialties where they're, they, they specialize in maybe growth or value or top-down or bottom-up or low-vol or beta, most people are completely in a fog about what all these things mean. So what we're going to do over the next two shows, number one, we're going to go through and succinctly explain what, for example, top-down investing means. And we'll give you some examples of what top-down investing is. We'll give you some stock examples. We'll give you some ETF examples. And then what we'll do is we'll take that information and we'll apply it to your own strategy. So if you're a senior, for example, and you don't want to take risk, should you be investing in a momentum strategy or should you be investing in a cyclical strategy? If you're young... Maybe that strategy, you can take more risk and you should be investing in more of those Got a things. longer runway ahead. Right, yeah. right. So we're going to go through and try to demystify what all these things mean. And then we'll reconstruct it. And we'll talk about what it means for your portfolio based on your age and your risk tolerance. And if you're a long-term investor or you're a short-term trader. So if you listen to this show, you're going to get, we're going to try and cut through the fog and try to explain what some of these things mean and how you can apply them to your own investment portfolios. Okay, the first one we want to start with the cyclical stocks. And we did a show a few weeks back where we talked about cyclical stocks and gave a couple of, of examples. But for anybody who didn't catch that, let's, let's break that down to start with. Well, essentially, cyclical stocks are tied to the economic cycle or they're industries that are tied to the economic cycle. And... Typically, these guys have their day in the sun when consumers are spending money. And of course, when consumers are spending money, sales go up. So you've got, you've got industries like mining. Well, when people are buying cars, you need more copper, you need more steel. So demand picks up for these kind of products. You also have, when the economy is good, we need more energy. So usually energy stocks are considered in there. When the economy is good, people buy more cell phones. They buy more iPads and iPods and, and computers and 80-inch TVs. So you need more semiconductors, and technology tends to do well when markets are expanding. So you have forest products. Here again, people build more homes. You need more washers. You need more dryers. So these kind of companies, they tend to follow the consumer. And when the consumer is spending, uh, you see these kind of companies because their products or materials are used in the products that are sold to the consumer, they tend to do very well. And so some consumer-related sectors, automotive, gaming, restaurants, they're also considered cyclical. And you can build a portfolio of cyclical stocks, but this is the kind of portfolios we talked about in the previous show, and I don't want to take too much time on this, but you don't walk down the aisle with these stocks. These are not you don't get married to them. You don't get married to them. This is sort of a Las Vegas type of wedding where you uh, you walk down the aisle, but if it's uh, if it's not working, you uh, you hit the road. <laughs> if, 
You know, all right. These are these are Las Vegas type of investments. Now, you can build a cyclical ETF portfolio, <clears> but there's no one ETF that's a basket that has semiconductors, uh, materials, gold, mining, energy, forest products in it. But there are individual ETFs. There's an automotive ETF. There's an energy ETF. So there's uh, technology ETFs, there's semiconductor ETFs, so there's enough ETFs that you can you can pick and choose among that. And typically, in an economic cycle, when you see things start to take off and the consumer starts spending again, these are some of the areas to get hyper growth you should look at. But there again, it's a Las Vegas wedding, not a traditional church wedding. You talked about uh, about when the economy is good and people are buying more houses and they buy things like washers and dryers. I can remember a term from a few decades ago when I was working, we used to talk about the durable goods index. Is that still out there? Yeah, you can, durable goods are things that you can buy that last a while, okay? And certainly a washer and dryer is a durable good because you buy your washer and dryer and you're hoping that, that you're you going to get 10 or 12 years out of it. You yeah. know, a refrigerator is a durable good. Uh, a consumable good is like if you have a kid and uh, you get disposable diapers, a diaper is probably good for one shot, and then it goes and it's folded yeah. up and put in the trash can. Okay, that's consumable. All right. Now let's talk about defensive stocks. Now, defensive stocks are those sectors where earnings are not tied to the performance of the economy. This is stuff that you use all the time. Like when I got up this morning and went into the bathroom, the first thing I did to treat my jungle mouth was toothpaste. I brushed my teeth. And then you use soap. You then you deodorant. Go, yeah, yeah, deodorant. Then Shaving you to, cream if you're a guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And if, you, um, if your tooth's hurting, you go to the dentist. When you wake up and uh, this time of year, the sun doesn't come up till around 8 o'clock, you turn your lights on. You use electricity. It's minus 20 outside, so you turn your heat on. Those are the kind of things that, that no matter what the economy is doing, you need. So here again, there is no single exchange-traded fund that combines all the defensive sectors in just one unit, but there are lots of defensive sectors that have specialty ETFs. And it wouldn't be hard to build your own defensive ETF portfolio by buying a number of these specialty names. And I'll give you three sectors. Number one is healthcare. That, you go, you go to the doctor whether you, whether you want to or not. You, and you know, if, if uh, you need a prescription, you go and buy one. So the Vanguard Healthcare ETF is a good example of one if you want to do some homework to see what they have in there. The symbol is VHT, it trades in the US. There's a Consumer Staples Select Sector ETF, and consumer staples are things that you buy and use all the time, like toothpaste and, and uh, other products, like look under your, go in the kitchen and look under the sink. All the products you use, the bags, the stuff that you clean your windows with, you wipe off your counters, all the, the cleansers, yeah, the disinfectants, yeah, yeah. and all that stuff. All yeah. that stuff. That that's included within that sector. And then you've got the utilities. Here again, as we talked about, especially when it's cold, you turn on your heat, you turn on your light. So you can build a nice portfolio just with uh, the utility select sector, uh, Spider ETF XLU trades in the U.S. or the Staples Select Spider 
which is XLP, or the Vanguard Healthcare, which is VHT. And there's so many of these things that are frankly have virtually the same kind of stocks in them. So what we're doing here is we're just giving you some examples. So if you decide you want to build more exposure into your portfolio on defensive stocks, and these are generally the kind of companies that a conservative investor would look at, well, a good example is Vanguard. A good example is the uh, the Spider. A good example is the some of the iShares. So you know these are good places to start, but you can. Build nice portfolios with just defensive stocks, especially as you get a little older. Uh, these really fit the bill. Okay, now low volatility or low beta stocks. Okay, I can see the fog moving in quickly here. Yeah, and of course, flavor of the month right now, because frankly, everybody is terrified that we're well over 10 years into the bull market. You know, Trump's impeachment is sort of boiling over in, in Congress right now, the investigations, and you've got the Brexit problems overseas. So people are concerned that market valuations are high, and they don't want to take a risk with stocks that could fall off a cliff. So low volatility stocks are stocks that do not normally fluctuate in price as much as the indexes. So if the indexes are going down maybe 50%, they might go down 20. And of course, you'd rather see your portfolio go down 20% than 50, 50 obviously. Absolutely, yeah. Now, one way to measure volatility is called beta which is the amount of stock will deviate from an index. So, for example, the S&P 500 is 500 of essentially the biggest stocks in the United States. And it will move up and down on any given day. And so your beta is how much will your stock move in comparison to the average. So if you've got a beta of 0.5, it means that the stock moves up and down generally about half as much as the market does. If you've got a beta of 1.5, it move, means that it moving about 50% more. So if the market goes up, it's going to go up 50% more. But if the market's going to go down, it's going to go down 50% more. So especially for people that are moving into more of a retirement space, uh, they're looking for low volatility stuff. And because people are scared right now, the low volatility names, low beta, they call low vol, low beta. When you, you hear these terms bandied about when you're listening to the financial news or or watching BNN or something. Or yeah, you're watching BNN or, or you're talking to a, a financial advisor. They're telling you about these things. Now, low volatility stocks are generally associated with defensive sectors like utilities, healthcare, consumer staples. Coca-Cola is a classic low volatility stock. It has a beta of 0.4, which means that on any given day, it's going to go up about only, uh, it's going to go up or down about 60% less than the markets as a whole. It's got a beta 0.4. Uh, there are some ETFs that are in this space, in the low volatility, low beta space. One is the Invesco S&P 500 low volatility ETF, SPLV. They take uh, uh, out of the S&P 500, they take the 100 stocks that show the lowest daily volatility over the past year. And, uh, and without regard to sector here? Yeah. No, it's no. not regard. So this one tends to be overweighted. It's overweighted to financials and utilities, and it's got names like Duke Energy and Exelon, which are big utilities. And so financials and utilities are typically where these guys overweight. But uh, here again, SPLV. If you want to do research, there's a bunch of low vol stocks out there and low beta ETFs. So you can, this is just a 
good place to start to do your homework. And you point out here that it rebalances quarterly. So they don't leave things in there for a year and then rebalance. They Every every four months, they, or three months, they turn around and say, okay, what do we have to change here? So Exactly. Yeah. So if you're looking for a way to invest and you don't want to take a lot of risk, some of these low vol strategies, low beta strategies, because they're continually going through their report, their portfolios and rebalancing regularly, it's something that you can buy these things and you don't have to look at that, think about rebalancing or what should I be doing here because they're automatically doing it for you. Okay, now the opposite of that then is high volatility and high beta. And here you've got stocks that are exactly the opposite. They move more than the market moves to the upside and to the downside. And on days when the market is up, these stocks should be up even more, or these ETFs should be up even more. And when markets are down, exactly the opposite happens. So high beta stocks are, for example, stocks that are 1.5. They tend to have more volatility than the market as a whole. A uh, good example, if you want to do some homework just to see how this sector works, is uh, one ETF out there, the Invesco S&P High S&P 500, the high beta ETF. The symbol is SPHB, and they track the 100 stocks in the S&P 500 that have the highest volatility. And their largest holdings are mostly semiconductors, uh, but they also are in things like social media, like like Twitter and Amazon. So uh, here again, you've got stocks that have retro rockets attached to them. These guys really, really move around. But they, they can go up. Conversely, they can come down in a big hurry too, right? Yeah. Been a long time in a bull market. And when things go down, these stocks usually lead the parade and go down the most. Okay. Growth stocks. Generally, growth is associated with companies that are increasing earnings and sales, and they're doing so at an above average pace. One of the largest growth ETFs out there is the iShares S&P 500 Growth ETF. The symbol is IVW, trades in the U.S., and it selects stocks from the S&P 500 index based on three factors, sales growth, earnings growth, and momentum. In other words, how, how fast they're moving relative to everything else. And, of course, their largest holdings right now, or not surprisingly, are FANG names, uh, Microsoft, Amazon, Facebook, Alphabet, but they've also got MasterCard, Visa, which we talked about in previous shows, and consumer names like Merck. So these are companies that are growing earnings and profits faster than average, which tends to mean because they have faster growth prospects that they're also more expensive. So they tend to be a little bit more volatile, but if you catch them early in a market or like MasterCard or Visa, which has surprised everyone, they seem to grow decade after decade. Okay, so that's the one side of this strategy. There are more to look at here, and we're going to do that in the second episode. We'll talk on some of the other regions that you should be doing your homework on. And again, we stress that. you got to study these. Just don't run out and buy them because we mentioned them. Do your homework. Find out if it's the right fit for you at your particular vote uh, point in your investing strategy. If you're a little younger, you can be a little more aggressive. If you're a little older, you might want to be a little more defensive, correct? Absolutely. Okay, we'll be back next week with another installment. We'll look at some more on this front. On Making Money, if you have a question about anything we've discussed or maybe we didn't clear the fog quite enough for you, you can reach us through the cfcw.com website at Making Money or you can come to our website, letsmakemoney.ca and we'll get those right in our inbox. We'll be happy to address them in upcoming episodes. Thanks for joining us. On behalf of Ron Hebert, the financial coach, I'm Gord Whitehead. We'll talk to you next week. 
The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.